You're listening to the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network. Dolphin fans and welcome to the same old Dolphin show part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I'm Josh Katzker with me today and every day is my brother from the exact same mother Aaron the brain Aaron say hello to the people. Hello to the people. What a delightful off season we're having brain. Have you been like me with with the Super Bowl in the rearview mirror, I've been doing almost nothing. I've been do I've been almost exclusively watching Olympic curling. I've been almost exclusively watching the Bravo Real Housewives and then competition cooking shows. Oh, fantastic. It's so been amazing. We, yeah, so we've we've been Turning elsewhere for our entertainment since the NFL season has been in the books. Congratulations to the world champion Los Angeles Rams and Matthew Stafford. Congratulations to you. Congratulations to the Cincinnati Bengals and the fans of the Cincinnati Bengals. Your team made it to the Super Bowl. And, you know, everybody's saying you're going to have plenty of time, plenty of chances, plenty of opportunities to get back to the Super Bowl. That's what we said about Dan Marino, too. And uh, it, it never, never worked out that way. So good luck to you there, Cincinnati Bengals. But the Miami Dolphins have not been sitting still, Brain. The Miami Dolphins have been very, very busy. In fact, they've they've hired their head coach, which we we talked about here on the show in our last episode, and now that head coach has assembled a complete coaching staff, which is really great. So we're going to talk about that coaching staff, at least our highlights and our big takeaways from the coaching staff, because at this point it's been done for a few days and everybody's kind of had an opportunity to do the deep dive on who all of these individuals are. So we're not going to rehash all of that, but we will give our thoughts on on some of the highlights from the coaching hires. And from there, we're going to move on to some off-season priorities for the Miami Dolphins. And what are the big things that this team needs to do in order to ensure that they come in, come into the 2022 regular season with a fighting chance to not only make the playoffs, but hopefully make a little bit of a run in the playoffs. And, and is that something that is actually feasible? Well, we're going to find out here in the uh, weeks and months to come. But before we get into all of that, a reminder that if you are not doing so already, make sure you are giving us a follow on Twitter. I am at Amplified to Rock. He is at Aaron the Brain. That's at Aaron the Brain. The show is at Same Old Dolphins. And every episode of the Same Old Dolphins show is available at DolphinsTalk.com. So if you haven't done so already, make sure you're following them as well at Dolphins Talk. Make sure you visit DolphinsTalk.com each and every day and then go to YouTube.com. Do a search for Dolphins Talk and subscribe to the Dolphins Talk YouTube channel. Shout out to everybody watching live on YouTube this evening. Hello. How are you? Thanks for joining us. Make sure you subscribe to the channel, turn on the notification bell as well so you're notified every time we go live and uh, like this video as well. We appreciate that very much. And of course, download, rate, review, and subscribe to the same old Dolphin Show everywhere you get your podcast: Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, everywhere. We appreciate it very much for the positive feedback that you leave us. So, Brand Dolphins have themselves a coaching staff, and that's that's pretty great. So, what are what are some of what well, I'll, let me ask you this. What is your single biggest takeaway? from how Mike McDaniel has assembled this coaching staff? My single biggest takeaway really almost has nothing to do with Mike McDaniel. Uh, it has to do with kind of the the coaching staff that has sort of been thrust upon him, which is the defensive staff. Um, and we talked about you know, before they even hired Mike McDaniel, where we said, look, if you're going to hire a young first time head coach, uh, an offensive minded coach, then 
really we'd like to see both of us agreed and I think many people agreed we want to see a defensive coordinator that is an established veteran defensive coordinator and we saw multiple veteran defensive coordinators who became available and yes they went after Vic Fangio and Vic Fangio decided that he didn't want to uh to take a job this year and did it have anything to do with the fact that uh you know he might have been forced to keep some guys on his staff we don't really know the answer to that but we know that they went after Vic Fangio and then after Vic Fangio said no they just settled right back into Josh Boyer uh they didn't go after Wink Martindale uh, they didn't go after Mike Zimmer. Uh, they didn't go after any established defensive coordinator. They stuck with the defensive coordinator that was already on the team who basically had defensive play calling stripped from him midway through the season, which also happened to coincide with when the Dolphins defense started playing at a high level. So I think now we're at a situation or we're at a point where we really don't know what we've got as far as a defensive staff. We're hoping that it's going to translate, but how much of the defensive success over the last two years had to do directly with Brian Flores or, you know, had to do with the fact that Brian Flores was there. That remains to be seen because if this defense takes a huge step back, then that puts even more of an onus on what Mike McDaniel is trying to do with this offense and having to absolutely transform this thing in one off season. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I, you know, I, we knew going in, right. That that was going to be an issue because the, the team said it, they said it out loud that they wanted to keep this as much of the defensive staff in place as they could. And that, I guess that starts at the top with Josh Boyer. So it'll be very interesting to see how this defense does in another year under Josh Boyer without Brian Flores as that sort of alpha dog leading that unit. What was interesting to me though, brain was on the other side of the ball. So first of all, I think the hire of Frank Smith as offensive coordinator, very good hire. But I also find it interesting that they hired Matt Applebaum, who they brought in from Boston College. And then they brought in, obviously, John Embry to work with the with the tight ends and also be an assistant head coach. But they kept Coach Lemuel Jean-Pierre, who was the ire... At, you know, at the center of a lot of people's ire over the course of this regular season because of how he had been, you know, this, this offensive line was problematic for the Miami Dolphins last year and, you know, in the year before that, but he wasn't here. But in, in 2021, the offensive line for the Miami Dolphins really, really struggled. And for whatever reason, Mike McDaniel has decided that he's going to keep Coach Lem, as he's known, in place, although not as the head offensive line coach. They've moved him down. He's now an offensive line assistant. But the fact that they've brought in Frank Smith, who has spent time working at, with a, with an intense focus on the offensive line, and they've brought in Matt Applebaum as well. They've got a lot of focus on this offensive coaching staff uh, on, on the offensive line, or a lot of coaches who have spent time working with the offensive line. So it seems like that is a major uh, inflection point for this team. That's something that Mike McDaniel obviously needs to fix. He knows he needs to fix. And so it's interesting that he kept Coach Lamb. And the only thing that I can think of is that this is an offensive line that has had, what, four different coaches in the last three seasons? And, I mean, it's an offense that's had six, seven coordinators in the last six years? What is something like that? Like, there's just been no continuity whatsoever with the Miami Dolphins offense. And so maybe, I and again, I, this isn't a great explanation, but maybe there is some thought that in keep, keeping Coach Lem here and granted demoting him down to an assistant offensive line coach, there's some continuity there. He knows the guys. He has expectations. He can sort of help uh, you know, Frank Smith and Matt Applebaum figure out, you know, this is where these guys have played before and this is where they've struggled and all of that. And then it also, <laughs> just to put this out there, if the offensive line continues to struggle, right? And I think there's a very good chance that this team is going to bring in 
additional talent on the offensive line, whether they do that in free agency or the draft, and we'll talk about that later. I think they're definitely going to be bringing in additional talent on that offensive line. But if that offensive line continues to struggle, well, there is a head that can very easily roll if the offensive line doesn't live up to expectations this season. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Well, I think that that, I mean, look, I don't have any problem with it. Like you're keeping him, but you're demoting him, whatever. Then what are we really talking about? We're talking about the assistant offensive line coach. Okay. And then, but here's the thing. If, if the offensive line fails, we're going to blame the assistant offensive line coach. Well, no, if, if the offensive line <laughs> fails again, the person that is to blame is Chris Greer, right? Let's, let's be very clear about that yeah. because he's the one, he is now the one, but I mean, John Pierre presumably was part of the discussions with the guys that were drafted last year. But I mean, at this point, this offensive line was constructed by Chris Greer. And yes, he's going to bring in talent. We know he needs to bring in a veteran, I think, through free agency, at least one. And we'll talk about some of those guys later. But yeah, it, it's I just thought it was an interesting move. The other move, though, Brain, that I think I'm really excited about is the hiring of Daryl Bevel as the quarterback's coach and passing game coordinator for the Miami Dolphins. Because this is a guy that was... I mean, by reports and all accounts, was instrumental in helping Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers become the quarterbacks that they are today. And this is a guy who, as an offensive coordinator, won a Super Bowl with the Seattle Seahawks. This is a guy who I think you can feel pretty good about coming in and trying to help Tua get to be the player that all of us hope that he can be, right? And I think, and I and I got a little bit of heat about this opinion on Twitter. Um, but I, I really do believe it that based on everything that I'm seeing from the Dolphins since Mike McDaniel was brought on and with the hiring of Daryl Bevel, I think it, it's pretty safe to say at this point that Tua is going to get the best chance that he has ever had under this coaching staff this year. He's going to have the best chance that he has ever had to be the player that we all want him to be, right? He's going to have well, he that better. best. He, this is the best possible chance he's ever going to have, right? I think he's having a much, he's got a much better opportunity here than he ever had with Coach Flores, right? And that's not a, that's not a slight necessarily on Coach Flores. It's just saying that he was never really put in the best possible position to succeed. The Dolphins are putting him in the best possible position to succeed right now. I think the hire of Daryl Bevel is great. It's probably the highlight of, of the coaching staff hires without necessarily mentioning the nostalgia pop of Wes Welker coming back and Pat Sertan and Sam Madison on the defensive side of things, which are great hires. I think I'm really excited about those guys being back. Obviously they can't go out there and, and intercept passes and do all of that stuff, but we've got a great secondary already. So having those guys come in is really great and it's excellent and it's nostalgia, which I love. Um, but the Daryl Bevel hire brain is, is one that I, I am really, really excited about. Yeah, I see that. Uh, I, I like, I like the Daryl Bevel hire. It makes sense, but, um, I, I caution anybody getting, yourself included, getting overly excited about Daryl Bevel's coaching chops because he had his hand in, in Russell Wilson and, and Aaron Rodgers because. To be clear, his hand was not inside of them. Right. But he had his hand in their success. And if, but the thing is, is that Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson are special talents. And, uh, I think it's, it's important to understand that before you just automatically expect, uh, because Daryl Bevel worked with Aaron Rodgers and, and Russell Wilson that he's suddenly going to come in and, and Tua is going to be like Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson. Now, he drew a lot of comparisons to Russell Wilson coming out of college. People compared him to, you know, a combination of Russell Wilson and, and Drew Brees. And, uh, I, I can see that. And I think, I think there's value in him working with a quarterback's coach or with an offensive mind like Daryl Bevel, who, 
you know, it, it has experience coaching a quarterback like Russell Wilson, who isn't known for having a super strong arm, is more known for, you know, a rhythm passing game. And But I think the more important thing about that hire and about the rest of the hires that they made on the offensive side of the football is that almost all of those guys had to do with or, or have experience in offenses that were run first offenses. This is going to be a team that wants to run the football. Are they going to be able to run the football? I don't know. That's a huge question mark, but that's why you're putting so much emphasis on the offensive line. And as I said, when they first hired Josh McDaniel and we had our last show and the question was, can Josh McDaniel fix Tua? I, and my answer I don't think you need to fix Tua. I think you need to fix the offense so that it plays to the strengths of Tua. And the way that you do that is first and foremost, you get a running game that you can rely on so that Tua isn't having to carry the offense because Tua becomes a much better quarterback and a much more dangerous quarterback uh, if he's going up against man coverage and, you know, you know, eight guys in the box and, and three or four guys in the secondary. It's just way easier for, for Tua to succeed with that than it is, uh, when you can't run the football against a six man box and, and, and teams are dropping five, six, seven guys into coverage and you still can't run the football. It puts your quarterback, particularly one that doesn't have the physical tools of a Josh Allen or a Patrick Mahomes. It puts them at a significant disadvantage. So to me, that's the biggest takeaway I make. I take out of the, the offensive staff that he's built and Josh and uh, Daryl Bevel is included in that. No comment about Wes Welker. It's good to see Wes Welker. And look, Wes Welker was the wide receivers coach in, in San Francisco. So obviously he's got a working relationship with Mike McDaniel. Um, he, he knows what the, what McDaniel is looking for in this offense out of his wide receivers. We're looking to bring that not only attitude, but that scheme here into Miami with whatever receivers are still going to be on the roster. So I think that that was a good, you know, it's a good fit. He's bringing in somebody that ran his system. And I, I think that's really important because when you look at these other hires, these weren't guys that that coached with Mike McDaniel. So I think it's important that, and it, I think it shows the importance of the wide receiver position that of all of the position groups, of all the position coaches that he brought in on that side of the ball, the one guy that he had a working relationship with that he brought from San Francisco was Wes Welker. Yeah, and I'm 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 excited to have Wes Welker back in the building. He dust off that old '83 jersey, you know, get that get that back out there. And uh, and listen, and having uh, 23 and 29 back out there, I mean, that's pretty good too. Bringing those guys back into the building, we love it. We love it. Nothing nothing is for sure, but one thing is certain. Was the old saying back in the day. Well, at least for me and you. We just need to bring in uh, Brock Marion, and uh, we can bring in Brian Walker to teach the safeties how to knock fools out. Let's go. Let's go. Let's just run it back with some of those uh, some of those late 90s Miami Dolphins teams. Why don't Let's we go. just bring back Wanstat? Let's go. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think we're going to go to the Manscaped read now. Pretty good uh, defensive Manscaped. coordinator, I'm just saying. <laughs> Manscaped, ladies and gentlemen. They are a sponsor of the same old Dolphin Show. We thank them very much, and we encourage you to go to manscaped.com and use the promo code Dolphins Talk so you can save 20% and get free shipping on all of their fabulous products, including their shampoo and conditioner, their body wash, the lawnmower 4.0, and all of the other tools and gimmicks that they have over there at manscaped.com. So head on over there. They got lip balm now. I've actually been using it. It is very effective. Effective lip balm. For, uh, from the folks at Manscaped. So head on over to manscaped.com. Use the promo code Dolphins Talk. You'll save 20% off of your order. You'll get free shipping. It'll be fantastic. And uh, your balls will thank you. So, Brain, the coaches are hired. And now, Mike McDaniel and his staff can begin to take a look at this roster 
the, the, the makeup of this roster as it stands right now and decide what they want to do going forward. And there are, uh, I think, some priorities in, in how this team is going to be built for the remainder of this offseason, how they're going to move forward through this offseason over the next few months. And, and you know, there's no real offseason in the NFL. I mean, we're, we're a week away from the combine, and then after that, the draft will be here before you know it. So it, it things move quickly here in the National Football League. So the, the team has a number of priorities that they need to address in this offseason, and, and I w- we're going to get into your thoughts on that in a minute. But for me, I think the single biggest priority, the most pressing priority for right now in this moment in time is for this coaching staff in this front office to figure off to figure out what do you do with Emmanuel Ogba Mike Kosicki that's the big one and I mean if you really want to get into it you can even look at what are you going to do with uh Nick Needham what are you going to do with Byron Jones but I think the t- those are the two right and I think Emmanuel Ogba for me this is not even a conversation you, you sit down with his agent, you figure out the best possible deal, and you, you, you make it happen, you pay him. You do not jeopardize that relationship. You, you keep it. You make that happen, right? I, I, and I, I feel like you'd be hard-pressed to come up with an argument against that. I think you got to pay Emmanuel Ogba and lock him up. I think the bigger question is Mike Kosicki. Now, I think a lot of us look at Mike Kosicki and go, okay, we're looking at him through the lens of what has he done in his first four years. And we know that in his first year under Adam Gase, he was, you know, Gase tried to use him as a blocker and Gesicki did not do a very good job in that respect. He he sort of failed in that regard. And then we learned in the three years under Brian Flores, we learned that Mike Gesicki is really more of like a big slot receiver and he can excel as a wide receiver. So the question is for the Miami Dolphins, do you give Mike Kosicki top of the line tight end money to keep him locked up and keep him here? Do you franchise tag him, in which case you're going to pay him more money in 22 than you would have, than you would be paying him if you negotiated a new deal with him? Or do you quite simply move on from him? Because there are other attractive tight end options out there. And, and, you know, one of the names that I keep hearing people mention is Dalton Schultz. He's a guy that's out there, you know, CJ Uzama is out there, you know, there's Robert Tunyon is out there. Anthony Ferkser is out there. There are, there are, you know, Hayden Hurst. These guys are, you know, David Njoku. There are other tight ends out there, but the question is, do you want to consider Mike Kosicki a really great, slot receiver and get a discount on him because you're going to pay him as a tight end? Or do you, you know, or or do you just, you keep him around and see what plans Mike McDaniel has with him? Because I don't think we really know how effective Mike Kosicki can be in a Mike McDaniel offense. So I think it's, uh, I mean, it just, you know, it's like we said at the top, it's a big question mark right now. Yeah. And to me, what it comes down to, to me, this is going to be, uh, just a total Mike McDaniel decision. Uh, to me, if Chris Greer comes in and he says, so, all right. But before we even get into Manuel Ogba, I think, and, and I'm agreeing with you. I, I think in looking at this roster and, you know, we talked about how, look, we need the defense to be good. Uh, we need, they they made they obviously made an emphasis on wanting to you know have continuity on that side of the ball uh so you know you're keeping your whole defensive staff in place the opposite edge of Emmanuel Ogba you've got like 3 or 4 years where you're not really spending money there because you've got Jalen Phillips and we all hope that Jalen Phillips continues to develop because he looked like an absolute stud in his rookie year and that buys you time and it allows you the affordability to spend a little bit on the opposite edge. And I don't think you need to pay Emmanuel Ogba a ton. I think you could probably pay him upwards in that 14, 15 million dollars a year to get him locked up for three or four years, which I think would be just huge in just cementing this Dolphins pass rush, which was one of the best in the league, if not the best in the league this past off season and a real, you know, 
not just a strength, but the like a cog, something that you could rely on when it came to this Dolphins team. If there was one thing that this Dolphins team was really good at last year, it was getting after the quarterback, and Emmanuel Ogba was a huge, huge reason for that. Um, so I agree. But before they even get to that, I think Chris Greer goes to Mike McDaniel and says, so what do you think about Mike Gusecki? Do you believe that Mike Gusecki uh, is somebody that we need to have on this offense, or would you rather address the you know the weaponry with wide receivers in the draft? And can you make do with what you've got in Hunter Long? You drafted him in the third round last year. What you've got in Adam Shaheen and somebody else that maybe you can bring in a, as a free agent. What do you think? Because if Mike McDaniel looks at it and says, no, I, I think Mike Gesicki has the chance to be a Pro Bowl talent, is a guy that we're going to rely and he's gonna rely on and he's gonna be a centerpiece of the offense, then I think that you have to bring him back. Um, but if Mike McDaniel looks at it and says, you know, I think we can get other production, we we can get similar production from other guys, uh, we could go cheap at this position and we could fill it in with wide receivers, then you let him go. Um obviously the franchise tag is still there. It's a you know, it's it's in place for situations like this where you just don't know if you if you if the guy is worth that long-term deal or not. You know, it's like a one-year trial run. So I, I can understand that. Um, the problem is, is do you want to pay $11 million for Mike Kosicki? And I think you kind of touched on this. And the thing is, is like, if you look at Mike Kosicki as a tight end and you're paying $11 million for a tight end, well, that's really expensive. But if you look at him as a wide receiver, $11 million is, you know, it's kind of affordable. But you're also paying... Devonte Parker like eight million dollars, and if you're bringing in another wide receiver, which I think we all agree that they have to do, whether 100%. it's a big name guy like a whether it's Devonte Adams or Chris Godwin or or Calvin Ridley, that relegates Devonte Parker to your number three receiver, and you're not. It doesn't really make sense to cut Devonte Parker because you're only saving like three million dollars. So then, where does Mike Mike Kosicki fit on there? You're going to you're going to spend 8 million dollars on Devonte Parker and 11 million dollars on Mike Gesicki as your number 3 and 4 receiving options? To me it just doesn't make sense. I don't think it's not a question about whether Mike Gesicki deserves to be paid what he's going to get paid. The question is is it prudent for the Dolphins to pay him that? Because to me, you don't pay Mike Gesicki that unless he's like the missing piece. And Mike Kosicki is not the missing piece. He's been here and the offense has still sucked. Well, let me ask you this. Do you franchise tag Mike Kosicki with the hopes of moving him and getting something in exchange? You can do that. I just don't know what you're getting for him. Um, I mean... I, I, I mean, I, I don't guess know. I, I mean, you look at the teams that are out there. I mean, you look at you look at the L.A. Chargers. You look at the Tennessee Titans. These are teams that could use an upgrade at, at, at tight end in terms of like having pass catchers there. And I mean, you, you know, imagine Tennessee Titans with with Mike Gesicki in that offense with A.J. Brown and you know the corpse of Julio Jones. And, you know, it's yeah. I mean, and Derek. I Henry. don't know. I I I guess you you could go at it that way. Um, I, you know, and at the end of the day, I'd be, I'd be happy with it. Uh, if they, if they could move him and get like a second or third round pick for him, it's just now you're, you're asking the question, like now, not only is a team going to have to sign Gasecki to, to the contract, to the, you know, 11, $12 million a year contract for four or five years. Cause if you trade for him, you're definitely signing him long term. But now you also have to give up a second or third round pick for him. I mean, what are we going to do? We're going to, we're going to sign him as a, 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 we're going to franchise tag him. He's going to be unhappy that he's on the franchise tag so that we can shop him and hold out for a fourth or fifth round pick. That just doesn't seem like a great way to start your 
your your your your first your maiden voyage into into head coach uh your by upsetting one of the 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 lead dogs in your locker room uh and and having his future holding his future hostage for for a fourth round pick yeah so well i was just i was just floating it out there i was just floating it out there okay i'm just i'm just you know just saying just saying it's a possibility all right so that so that those are the big questions. And then now we move into the other priorities, right? And I think think everybody and their mother knows that the number one priority for the Miami Dolphins this offseason is to fix the offense. Period. And obviously that is a multifaceted problem that the Dolphins have because there are a number of things that go into it and I think chief among those are upgrading the offensive line and I think you also have to look at bringing in talent at receiver and you need to consider bringing in additional talent at running back now I think looking at the track record of Mike McDaniel and and looking at what that San Francisco offense looks like I I think we're looking at yet another coaching staff that does not necessarily believe that you need to you know use a lot of premium draft capital on a running back. I I think that is out there and uh, like as we've seen before the Miami Dolphins are not typically the kind of team that's going to you know bring in an older free agent running back and then have it have that running back succeed. Most of the time that doesn't happen. Right? Most of the time that doesn't happen in the National Football League, let alone the Dolphins specifically who have uh, famously brought in a lot of veteran running backs who have flamed out in the past before. But I think let's let's go bit by bit here and look at the offensive line first, okay? Um we got a question from uh from from Alex, Alexander Thompson on, on YouTube, which again, reminder, if you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel, subscribe, turn on notifications so you can participate in the live show, tweet questions at us. He asked, what is the one free agent that Miami must sign? And for me, for me, that one free agent for me personally, it's Teron Armstead. You got to go out and get him. He's the best offensive tackle, possibly the best offensive lineman available in free agency. This team needs a boost. You need a boost to tackle anyway. Uh, You got to go out. You got to go out. You got to get him. Uh, Teron Armstead is that guy to me. And I think there are other free agent offensive linemen out there as well. I know you probably have some people out there that are saying Ryan Jensen is the guy that you got to go out there and absolutely get because he's the top center available. Center wasn't really the problem, but I mean, obviously there is room to upgrade for Michael Dieter at center. And, uh, you know, and the other big name that is out there on the offensive line is Brandon Scherf. Uh, and, and listen, there are a number of offensive linemen out there. Lycan Tomlinson is the guard from San Francisco, who I wouldn't surprise me at all to see the Dolphins, you know, make a press there because he's played in that Mike McDaniel offense previously. So he's a guy that is familiar with the kind of game plan that McDaniel is going to try to implement. So, uh, you know, I, I think it would be absolute malpractice for the Miami Dolphins to not bring in some sort of veteran help for this offensive line. We've seen that just going with the young guns, it, it, it has not worked. To date, that's not to say that it can't work, but at this point, you got to supplement some of those younger guys with proven veteran talent to take this offensive line from a a sort of bottom tier NFL offensive line. You know, they're, they're that bottom third of the National Football League. You got to move them up. You got to you got to improve this line to make the rest of the things possible, right? Because in order to allow Tua to be Tua the best Tua that he can be, he needs to have some time. In order to have a better running game, you have to have an offensive line that can block, right? So before you even talk about all of the other weapons that need to come in, the first thing that needs to happen is you got to improve this offensive line. Yeah, I completely agree. And Teron Armstead was, Armstead was exactly where I'm, I was going. Now, as far as answering the question, like if there's one guy that you have to get, I'm in agreement with you. I, I would say it's Armstead, but I don't think you necessarily have to pigeonhole yourself into it's got to be this guy. Uh, but that said, is in general, the way that I want to see Chris Greer and Mike McDaniel handle this offseason and specifically free agency is I want them to be aggressive and I want them to get their guys and not be cheap, but then also show restraint. So 
if Teron Armstead is the guy that they have identified as their number one guy, then you get him. And I don't care what it costs. You, you go after him. But if they decide that, no, their, their guy is Brandon Scherf or their guy is, uh, you know, Orlando Brown Jr., then, then okay, go, go after him. Uh, but target your guys, have a few guys that you say, these are our guys. We're going to get them. And then that's it. And then you build the rest of the thing through the draft and through the guys that you have on the roster. What I don't want to see this team do is what they've done in the past with got with when Mike Tannenbaum was running the show, which is it is very tempting. It's going to be very tempting for these guys to say, we've got a bunch of cap space. We've got a bunch of cap flexibility. Let's get every single guy that we want. And then let's get creative with the way that we, uh, structure these contracts and, you know, we'll backload some deals and we'll manipulate the cap space so that we can sign like 11, 12 guys and go completely all in on this year, knowing that two to three years from now, we're going to be in salary cap hell because we've backloaded all of these contracts. That's what I don't want to see this team do. I think they can very easily lock up Emmanuel Ogba. I think they should extend Christian Wilkins right now before you have to pay him like over $20 million a year, which they're going to have to do if they, if they don't lock him up this year. I mean, they, he's getting close to where they probably going to have to pay him close to that this year. But if they don't pay him this year and they let him become a free agent, he's gone, especially if they blow their wad this year and they spend all their money. So Extend those guys. Take care of what you've got in-house first, and you still have enough space to bring in a tackle and an interior lineman in free agency and a wide receiver. Because outside of the offensive line, the next place that I think the is the most important for them to address this offseason is bringing in a uber-talented wide receiver. I think of the guys that are there, I think the best fit stylistically for them is going to be Calvin Ridley, but I think he's, there's question marks with him. There's question marks about how much he really wants to play football. And and I can understand the Dolphins and Dolphins fans being hesitant to give a big contract to a wide receiver whose head and heart might not be in, you know, a hundred percent into playing football after you just wasted a bunch of money on Will Fuller last year, granted on a one year deal. Shout I out Will Fuller. Short, well done. Well done, yeah. Will Fuller. Good on you. But shout out the, Will Fuller. The sure thing is to get to me, Chris Godwin. If you if of all the wide receivers, he's the one sure thing. Um, but I think Calvin Ridley makes a lot of sense. Um, just from a guy that can beat man coverage is really quick and shifty. I think he makes a lot of sense, but, uh, I have no problem if, if they wanted to go after Devontae Adams or Chris Godwin. I think those, either of those would be, uh, would be great moves for them. I just don't want to see them go after like a Mike Williams type because you've got that. I mean, you've, you've got, you've, you've essentially got that in Devontae Parker. And then people talked up Kenny Galladay last year is, you know, because of his contested catch rate and all of this stuff. And then look at what Kenny Galladay did after getting paid $20 million a year. No. Y- no. You don't pay big money for wide receivers that can't separate. And that's what, that, that's what you would have if you go out and you spend on Mike Williams. But the Let other me- thing that the Dolphins probably, because we didn't talk, you kind of briefly touched on it, but they've got decisions to make in the secondary because not only do they have a decision to make as far as what they do long-term with the Xavier Howard contract, because hold they- on, hold on a second before we get to the secondary, because you, you just mentioned wide receiver. So I want to, I want to continue okay. on that line before we come right. back to him, before we go to the secondary. Okay. Um, which by the way, speaking of wide receivers right now, you have an opportunity to win a Jalen Waddle Jersey, go to dolphins, and join up, join the contest. You, fi- you find all the information over at DolphinsTalk.com. Follow at DolphinsTalk. You can find all of the instructions that you need to follow to win a Jalen Waddle jersey in whatever size jersey you wear. So, 
Go to DolphinsTalk.com. Get yourself set up. It's uh, I think that's a contest running for another couple of weeks over there at DolphinsTalk.com. So get signed up and win an opportunity to get a free Jalen Waddle jersey. That's pretty amazing, by the way. So now my other question here in wide receivers. So I know that there's a lot of guys out there, a lot of names being bandied about. Allen Robinson, Calvin Ridley, Devontae Adams, you know, and there's even, you know, trade targets out there like Jerry Judy and things like that, right? A lot of, a lot of names out there. But my question is, if you're in the draft, right? And, and I've been a proponent for the Dolphins should should trade that first round pick, right? Whether they're they're trading it in an effort to move up or or they're trading it to move down or they're trading it to bring in a uh, you know a, a veteran player, right? Would you if the Dolphins found themselves in the draft at 29 and Jamison Williams happens to fall to them and there there's talk that if he had not been injured in the national championship game, that this is a guy who's probably, you know, easily top half of the first round. But there exists a chance because he's got this injury that he falls to the Dolphins at 29. You're sitting there at 29, Jamison Williams falls to you. You make that pick? Oh, absolutely. Without question. Uh, because at the end of the day, it's the draft. You're not drafting guys to be great in year one. It's, it's awesome if they are, but at the end of the day, nobody's going to give a damn. Look, if, if Jalen Phillips and Javon Holland, who had amazing rookie years and Jalen Waddle had a great rookie year, if these guys fall flat on their face next year, nobody's going to care that they were awesome in year one. All anybody's going to care about is the player that they turned into. So you don't draft, particularly in the first round, on what a guy's going to be in his first year. You draft on, is this guy going to be a starter long-term? Is this, Does this guy have the potential to be a Pro Bowl player? Does this guy have Hall of Fame talent? And if he does, you draft him, regardless of whether, you know, if he's coming off of an injury or whatever. I mean, Jalen Waddle was coming off of an injury. He had a very, very good first year. If it wasn't for the amazing year that Jamar Chase had, uh, you know, we, everybody in the league would be talking about what an amazing rookie year Jalen Waddle had. And, you know, granted, people are still talking about he had a very good year, but people still get down on it because, you know, the Dolphins technically could have drafted Jamar Chase if they just stayed at three. But at the end of the day, that's a completely different off topic, completely different conversation. The bottom line is you don't draft guys for what they're going to do in one year, particularly year one. You draft them for what they have the potential to be. Uh, and so... If he's the best player on the board and he also happens to be at a position of need, it's a no-brainer decision that you draft him there. All right. So let's shift your focus now over to the secondary. You, you've got concerns about what the Dolphins do in the secondary. So so talk me through it. I mean, they've already done. Look, they brought in Patrick Sertan. DolphinsTalk.com's own Patrick Sertan, <laughs> former contributor to the website. There you go. We've uh, made it. You know, this guy was the head coach at American Heritage. There's a football powerhouse in South Florida. Yeah. Come uh, on. Well, the, the issue that they have in the secondary isn't necessarily the talent that's there. The issue is how long are they going to be able to keep that talent there? And they they have a decision this year with what do they do with, with X? And I think we're all in agreement at this point. X is the one guy on the roster that you just absolutely have to pay and you absolutely have to keep happy. So where does that leave the rest of the guys in the secondary? You, you're good, obviously, with J Javon Holland. You've got a couple of years of control and you hope that you it looks like you found yourself a real stud there in Javon Holland. Byron Jones is a good number two corner. But he's being paid as an elite corner. He's being paid right now more than Xavier Howard. That's a problem. So the, the question there are, are right, right off the bat is, well, what do you do with that? Can you, do you restructure Byron Jones's contract? And there are pros and cons to that. The pro to that is 
you can save yourself some money and it gives you a little bit more cap space this year if you go and you restructure Byron Jones this year. But you also have a lot of cap space already. And if you don't restructure him, then you're in a situation where next year you can save yourself about $12 million on the cap by by just cutting him outright and having only $4 million of dead cap space, which might not be the case, which likely won't be the case if you restructure him. So I think that's kind of where I'm leaning. But in addition to all of that, you also have a question, well, who's your number three corner? Yeah. Because you just, <laughs> you, you just lost, I mean, cause Coleman's going to be a free agent and right. so is Nick Needham. And so is Nick Needham. And that leaves Noah Igbenogany. So how confident are you? How comfortable are you with Noah Igbenogany being this team's number three corner? Because if you're not, then I've got a question for you. Are you re-signing Nick Needham? Are you re-signing Justin Coleman? Or how high are you prioritizing bringing in another corner in the draft? I mean, at this point, if I'm the Miami Dolphins, I'm doing everything in my power to avoid putting Noah Benogany out there unless he somehow, you know, unless he finds some miracle elixir that turns him into a great football player in this offseason. Because right now, he's just, you know, he's he is a liability, particularly when you look at how strong the rest of that secondary is anytime he's out there, he's just got a big red target on his back. So you, you got to find but, a way, whether it's, whether it's signing Nick Needham, whether it's, you know, restructuring Byron Jones, you got to do it. You got to do whatever, or, or whether it's bringing somebody else in, if you can find somebody, you know, find a good deal on, on somebody. Listen, you don't, we don't need the Dolphins to make a, somehow make a miraculous run into the postseason, And then Noah Igbenogany becomes the next Eli Apple. We don't need that. I don't need that. In, I don't need that agita in my life. Although, to be fair, if the Dolphins were in the Super Bowl, I'd mean, be, be, be pretty pleased with the outcome of the season. Yeah, but I mean that to me, that's the question: is because you know what you have in in Nick Needham. I don't need to see Justin Coleman back. I mean, I I really don't need to see Justin Coleman back. Um, I mean, could you bring in another nickel corner at, on the cheap? Probably. And that's, that might be the route to go where you, you, you say you let Nick Needham in free agency. I'm almost positive that something, cause look, everybody, every team in the National Football League needs help in the secondary. You, every team in the National Football League needs two things, offensive line and cornerbacks. There's no team that doesn't need that. So there's going to be a team that's going to overpay for a Nick Needham. Um, so I, I just can't see overpaying for Nick Needham to bring him back unless you, you work something out with Byron Jones. Even still, I just don't see any way that you're overpaying for Nick Needham. So then I think you really, and, and even if you, even in the case where you're keeping Byron Jones, you're, you're literally saying, well, if we keep Byron Jones, we're probably moving on from him next year. So it might not be a bad idea to prioritize taking a corner if it's there in like, you know, the second day, maybe not day one, <laughs> you know, maybe not in the first round, but in the second day of the draft, if there are some good corners on the board, it might not be a bad idea. Otherwise, you are literally setting yourself up for that situation where you're relying on Noah Igbenogany because they're not cutting Noah Igbenogany because then he'll have more dead cap space than he will have cap space. So Noah Igbenogany is going to be on the roster this year. The only question is, is, is he going to be relied upon in coverage? And if you're not bringing back Justin Coleman and you're not bringing back Nick Needham and you don't draft corners, then you're going to rely on Noah Igbenogany at some point. Okay. I uh, do not need that drama in my life right now. I am not going to sleep tonight. So thank you for that. Uh, I've now put myself in a position where Noah Igbenogany is uh, keeping opposed, is in a position where he's trying to slow down 
top receivers on opposing teams. I've got, I'm uh, it's bad. It's not all it's sunshine and roses on the Dolphins no. defense. I'm no, it's you bad. Now. I've got I've got Noah Igbenogany chasing Isaiah McKenzie all over the field, running through my head. It's a nightmare. Um, so anyway, all right. Well, what about some other priorities? Listen, everybody knows the Dolphins need to fix the running game, right? We we sort of hinted at this earlier. And there are a lot of people out there that are going to say the Dolphins need to maybe look at bringing in a, a Leonard Fournette, or they need to look at uh, bringing in you know another running back that's out there. But I just don't, I just don't see that as the right move. I, in fact, I would love to see the Dolphins with the guys that they have. I think there is the possibility that maybe you can Philip Lindsay, you can get something out of him in this offense. Uh, Gaskin, maybe there's a possibility he's a good pass catching running back. So there's something there. Um, and, and, you know, maybe there, there's a gem deep in this draft that the Dolphins can find somebody in the second or third round to bring in a rookie running back. But I just don't know that this is a situation where I want to see the Dolphins go out and, and, and spend big money in free agency on, on a running back. I just don't think it's the right move. Well, they definitely and maybe shouldn't give, spend maybe big give money. Duke Johnson another chance to run it back. I think you bring Duke Johnson back on the cheap. You've got Miles Gaskin on the cheap. I know a lot of people are down on Miles Gaskin. Well, I've never said that Miles Gaskin should be your your feature back. I, but Miles Gaskin, there is a spot for him on this roster. And then you've got Duke Johnson. You just need another another back. Um, and this system relies on speed running backs, running backs that can turn it upfield vertically and get it going in a hurry. Um, and, and you, you just look, look at what San Francisco's done the last few years with Mitchell and Brita exactly. and exactly. Moster. Like these guys were not household names. These were just fast guys that they, you know, piled up one on top of each other and they just work in that system because it gives them room to, to work. It's all about space and creating, you know, creating gaps. And then they just, you, 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 you hit the hole hard and fast. And if you're fast enough to get there, you honestly, I wouldn't hate them giving Savan Ahmed a, a shot. I think Savan Ahmed might actually fit really well in this offense originally brought in by the San Francisco 49ers where he was then eventually cut and that's how the Dolphins found him but you know he was a guy that first came into the NFL in Mike Mc, in, a, in an offense that Mike McDaniels was part of so it wouldn't surprise me at all to see him get a shot um I saw somebody mention Kyron Williams who is considered to be one of the best running back prospects in the draft and and maybe he's a guy who can sneak in to the first round you know, maybe I, just can't I, see. I have never been an advocate of using a first round pick on a running back, but there are other people on this website. I'm looking at you, Tom, that would uh, that would love the Dolphins to spend a first round pick on on Kyron Williams if he's available. I just cannot see right now with having so many issues to to cover them using a first round pick on a running back uh, with this offense, with the track record of Mike McDaniel and the, the offenses that he and the coaches that he's coached under, I cannot see them passing up on wide receiver or offensive line because like if they go out and they bring in two offensive linemen in free agency and a wide receiver, and then they get another wide receiver or offensive lineman in the first round. I think we're all going to be really, really excited. And then I you mean, can get, you can get a running back later. It's every year, every year there is a running back that's taken in the second round, the third round, the fourth round. Hey, we talked about it in this last year's draft about, you know, once the big name running backs were gone, who were guys? And we talked about Chris Evans. And Chris Evans, Chris Evans. Lo, lo and behold, had a pretty nice rookie year. Just, another guy who went to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Another guy that, you know, d was just a, an athletic freak. And it wasn't about like he was this polished running back, blah, blah, blah. He was just a guy that could run really fast. And it was like, hey, 
put this guy in the right system, put the ball in his hands and let him and let him go to work. Like that's that's what you can do. And he was drafted what the fourth round, the fifth round. Yeah, he was, every he was year a, there's a guy like that, and, and there are multiple guys like that. So there will be opportunities for the Dolphins to bring in a running back. And again, just throwing it back to San Francisco, you look at it, the highest drafted running back in that team in the last several years as they've had all the success running the ball was Trey Sermon this year who couldn't get a sniff this year because, you know, for whatever reason, all of these guys that were deeper prospects, Elijah Miller, uh, Elijah Mitchell was drafted after him and, and, and made it. And, and even Trey Sermon himself was a third round pick. So right. it's, you know, so it's, uh, I, I just, again, I have never been an advocate of using high premium draft picks on a running back unless the running back is the only thing you're missing. If the if if running back is the only thing you're missing, then fine. Spend your draft pick, your first round pick on a running back. But the Dolphins have so many other problems that need to be fixed. I I, I would be really I I I would be pretty upset if they spent a first round pick on a running back. And I'm, I'm going to be honest about that. So there it is. Brain, any other things that you think the Dolphins need to make a priority this offseason before we head into draft time? Well, actually, just literally, as you asked the question, it showed up as a comment here by the Finns tailgate, which says linebacker should be the 29th pick. And I'm not in disagreement. It depends who's there, uh, obviously, but linebacker is the other place that you can go. I, I look at the, the needs and their offensive line, wide receiver, corner, even though nobody wants to hear it because we are spending so much money there and linebacker. Uh, you, Jerome Baker is a nice linebacker, but that's, that's all we've got. Andrew Van Ginkle is a nice sub package pass rushing linebacker Landon Roberts is whatever uh he's really not anything good but like people fall in love with him because he makes a big hit you know every other game people uh, fall in love with Kiko Alonso for the same reason right right and but the fact is he's not very good and in today's NFL where you're going to be playing a lot of nickel where you have two linebackers on the field it's nice that you've got one of them in Jerome Baker that can kind of go sideline to sideline. But if the other guy can't, then you've got a liability there. So I would look at getting a linebacker and that to me, that would be pretty high on the list of priorities to me more so than running back, just because I believe that you can find a running back later. Uh, and you, you know, they're kind of a dime a dozen. Obviously, I, I don't want to say that the Dolphins don't need a running back because the fact is the offense, you know, the running, the backfield was awful this year. And they do need to address that position. I just think you can do it in a way where you're addressing it and getting better without using a high, high draft pick and without spending a bunch of money in free agency. Um, those other positions to me are higher priority. And then once you fill those, provided they keep everything else intact, then I think you are looking at running back as kind of the missing piece. We got an interesting question here, Brain, that came in, and we're, we're about to wrap it up here on the show, but an interesting question came in on YouTube from uh, Chance Parchment. He says, do you think the Dolphins can attract free agents in their current situation? And this has me thinking, because I think if there's something that I've learned about Chris Greer, it, he does not seem to be the kind of guy that is going to give people huge, bloated, ridiculous contracts that put the Dolphins in a bad situation. As uh, what, we've, what we've seen from him so far is that he's actually been pretty smart about the way that he has handed out contracts. So I don't think it's a question about can the Dolphins attract free agents because at the end of the day, if the Dolphins want to spend money, more money than anybody else on a free agent that's out there, person's coming to Miami. They're coming to Miami because they're not going to pay state income tax. They're going to, they want money. They're coming to Miami. That's not going to be an issue, but I think it is more likely that we are going to see the dolphins take a, I just don't know that they're going to go out there and be super aggressive and try to spend 
top dollar. While I believe that Teron Armstead is the guy that the Dolphins need to go and get, I can easily see Chris Greer doing what the brain uh, suggested and saying that we've got a pool of guys that we're going to go after, and I'm not going to be, I'm not going to get myself involved into a bidding war for Teron Armstead, right? I I would love him. He's a great player. He's injury prone, but I'm not going to get into a bidding, not going to get myself into a bidding war over him. And so I'm going to go somewhere else. I don't see in the National Football League, there may be two guys out there with the ability to say, I'm not going to go to your team because of A, B, C, and D, right? A lot of people are talking about Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams is going to be playing in Green Bay next season. I'm very confident about that, Um, especially if if Aaron Rodgers comes back. Devontae Adams isn't going anywhere, right? Would I love Devontae Adams in Miami? Sure. Would Devontae Adams decide to come to Miami and maybe he doesn't like Tua? Sure, that's a possibility. But if the Dolphins are going out there and they're going to throw the bag at Devontae Adams, Devontae Adams wants the bag, right? Of course, then again, Devontae Adams is going to have no shortage of suitors looking to throw the bag at him. So there's that point too. But I, I at the end of the day... I don't think this is the, I don't think this is a situation where the Dolphins are going to find themselves struggling to attract talent because people are turned off by the atmosphere around the team right now. I just I maybe that's some sort of factor, but I don't think it's as big of a factor that it's going to cause people to say I'm not going to Miami. It's not happening. I mean, it, it doesn't matter. I like you said there's there's like a couple of guys that that will that care enough to where they're gonna be like I'm not going to this team or not going to this team, and they're most of them are quarterbacks, um, and you know wide receiver maybe just because if they look at it if if you're a guy that uh you know is a deep threat or whatever and, and you go to Miami and you're playing with. Tua and they're not going to throw deep and they're going to give you like a one-year contract, well, then that might actually hurt you in the long run from from a money perspective. But like these other positions, offensive line, uh, you know, any any position on defense, these guys are going where the money is. Like these careers are way too short. Get, they're gonna if if the Dolphins are giving them the 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 highest salary, if the Dolphins are giving them the most guaranteed money. They, they don't care. That's where they're going. Exactly. I mean, it could be whatever franchise you think is the worst franchise in football. And that might be the Dolphins. <laughs> you know, if they're going to pay the most money, nine out of 10 times, the player is going to go there regardless. Especially if there's a guy just finishing his rookie deal and getting that first free agent contract, because in most cases, it's the only big free agent contract that they're ever going to get. And it's the one that's going to set them up for the rest of their life. So at that point, it becomes really silly if you're, if you're sitting there and you're saying, well, this team wants to pay me significantly more than this team, but I don't like the way that they conduct business. I guess to some extent, like that, that factors in, but when it's like, $10 $10 million in difference in guaranteed money. Give me the, give me the bag. Yeah, exactly. So, so that's my thought on that. Um, so there it is. Those are, those are our thoughts on the Dolphins coaching staff and their off season priorities. What should be their priorities? Um, so we're going to be following following along and here with you. It's the off season, so the schedule is not as regular as it normally is during the regular season. But we'll be around and we'll be hopping in from time to time whenever there's something to talk about. We'll be here. We'll be talking about it with you. And uh, yeah, so look for us. Make sure you're following us at Same Old Dolphins at Amplified to Rock at Aaron the Brain. That's at A A Ron the Brain. Make sure you're following at Dolphins Talk. Visiting DolphinsTalk.com each and every day. Make sure you're downloading, rating, reviewing, and subscribing to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, everywhere podcasts are found. Make sure you subscribe to the Dolphins Talk YouTube channel. Turn on the notifications bell. If you haven't done it yet, just like this video real quick. We appreciate you. Thank you very much for that. And we will be back as the offseason progresses. As there is news, 
we will be here. And especially as we get closer to the draft, I don't know that we're going to be offering the same kind of intense draft coverage as we did last year because the Dolphins don't have three first round picks this year, but uh, we'll probably be doing some sort of programming around the draft. And so you want to make sure that you're following everything that's going on over at DolphinsTalk.com, entering to win a Jalen Waddle jersey, making sure that you're visiting the site every day so that you are up to date and up to speed on all of the news surrounding your favorite team and our favorite team, the Miami football Dolphins. Brain, any parting words for the people? Yeah, I, I just think that uh, as far as programming, and you and I will talk about this off off camera, we'll have a little sit down, a little production meeting. You don't want to do nobody, an on-air production meeting? No, we don't do it. Well, maybe we should. Um, but Nobody you know, wants to hear that. In two, well, maybe they do. <laughs> People are, there's not a lot going on this time of year. Uh, it, in two weeks, we're going to find out a lot about what the Dolphins plan is with Mike Kosicki. Because in two weeks, we're going to find out if the Dolphins have franchised him. So if there's news on that, we're probably going to do a show. And then the week after that, you've got NFL free agency. So I think we're, it's probably a safe bet that we're probably going to do a show about two weeks from now. Probably. And then when they, and then we're probably going to do a show right after their first, you know, weekend of free or week of free agency, because I'm sure they're going to do some big spending. And if they, whether they spend or they don't spend, it's going to be a huge story that's going to be worthy of some conversation. So I would say that you could probably expect us to be a little bit more active at the beginning of March with that coming. And then probably a couple weeks off before we start to ramp up, uh, for the draft. And then we'll, then we'll break down the draft and then things will probably get real slow after that around May, June, uh, until, until training camp wraps up. That's right. I can't wait for the summertime when I get to sit on the couch and watch the Major League Baseball Players Association, Major League Baseball continue to not have discussions over whether or not they should actually be playing baseball. Can't wait. Can't wait. Love it. All right, everybody. Speaking of love it, the Dolphins signed a, a, a fullback named John Lovett. John Lovett. Not the John Lovett from the from the podcast and not John Lovett's from A League of Their Own fame. That's what I was thinking. I was like, yeah, that's the ticket. No, the uh, John John Lovett is the is the fullback. They also signed a receiver, uh rip uh what was his not River Phoenix, River something or other. It was a guy who played for the 49ers. They signed Rivers him. Cuomo? Yeah, Rivers Cuomo from Weezer. They signed him. He's going to play wide receiver for the Miami Dolphins. Um, he'll probably get more snaps than Will Fuller did. Shout out, Will Fuller. All right, that's going to wrap us up for this episode of the Same Old Dolphin Show. You know where to find us. We look forward to seeing you there. As always, take care of yourselves and each other, and we will talk to you again next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Go Dolphins! Team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air.